0: Can't we all just get along? I've said it before in other podcasts. Just when we think we understand the data, something comes in to throw us off. In this episode, we're going to review the rebuttal to the original 2014 ACOG guidelines on the management of second stage of labor. Remember, in 2014, ACOG called for a safe prolongation of the second stage of labor in an attempt to reduce the overall number of C-sections. But was that really evidence-based? There's new data to suggest it wasn't. Let's take a look at that data. There has been a recent significant evolution in suggested practices for the management of labor due to the increased national C-section rate. A major stimulus for this shift in these recommendations can be traced back to the 2014 Obstetric Care Consensus publication called The Safe Prevention of the Primary Cesarean Delivery. This was jointly endorsed by the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists and the Society for Maternal-Fetal Medicine. One of the changes recommended by this consensus group was prolonging the second stage of labor as, quote, "...longer durations that's defined as greater than the existing precept of three hours may be appropriate on an individualized basis, like in women with the use of an epidural analgesia, as long as progress is being documented." The result was that the accepted length of the second stage could now safely exceed the obstetrical precepts that have been in use for more than 50 years in the United States and worldwide. But not all in the scientific, clinical, or even academic community agreed. Lavino et al. published in 2016 a clinical opinion entitled Second Stage of Labor, How Long is Too Long? In the American Journal of OBGYN, remember, that was two years after the ACOG guidelines, this clinical opinion challenged the second-stage practice change. Over the past two years since that 2016 publication, at least five reports as well as two national organizational statements have supported revising the management of second stage of labor back to a more conservative stance. The data, published since the rebuttal to the second stage management, again back in 2016, does support the original position that prolongation of the second stage beyond historical precepts may actually be unsafe. Before we get into the 2019 soon-to-be-published in print clinical opinion by Nelson Levino et al., we have to take a step back, Why did this change in 2014 even come about? Why the change in second stage of labor management? Let's take a look at that next. Before we get into the change in 2014, it's important to first take a look back in 2009. In 2009, Rouse et al., published a new review examining the second stage of labor. They concluded that the second stage of labor does not need to be terminated for duration alone. That report, compounded by the urgency felt by the College to prevent cesarean sections in a 2012 publication, were significant influences to these new labor management recommendations in 2014. This 2012 publication became the actual framework for the ACOG Pivotal Guideline Change in 2014. Nelson and Levino et al. now say, however, that this was not good enough reason to change and that the evidence for that change was just lacking. This new upcoming commentary by Nelson and Levino et al., Points out that there is often rapid change in clinical practice endorsed by ACOG before, quote, the dust settles on the data. For example, in 2017, ACOG released a committee opinion on approaches to minimize interventions in labor and delivery. In that original publication, they stated that delayed pushing could be considered. That next year, in 2018, however, that committee opinion was pulled and changed. Now things do move fast in medicine. On October 2018, the issue of second stage of labor again took the limelight. In October 2018, the findings of a multi-center randomized control trial were reported, and on the same date, ACOG published a new practice advisory. This was a focus statement issued within 48 hours in response to this evolving information on the second stage of labor management. Now, this 2018 trial was examining delayed pushing in the second stage of nulliparous women who were at 37 weeks or greater and who were admitted for spontaneous or induced labor and given analgesia. There was no difference in the primary outcome of spontaneous vaginal delivery. There was, however, concern about increased maternal morbidity in the delayed pushing group with significant increased rates of postpartum hemorrhage. So the authors concluded that their findings may help inform decisions about the preferred timing of second-stage pushing efforts when considered with other maternal and neonatal outcomes. They also observed, and here's a clinical pearl, a growing body of observational data that has suggested that every additional hour spent during the second stage of labor compared with the first hour, regardless of an immediate pushing or delayed pushing management strategy, was associated with an increase in maternal and neonatal morbidity. The resulting ACOG practice advisory concluded that, quote, Current findings reinforce much of the preceding body of medical literature, examining the overall length of second stage of labor and rates of maternal and neonatal adverse outcomes. Now remember, ironically, this 2018 ACOG statement is in complete contrast to the previous one in 2017 about delayed pushing. Also, it seemed to violate the 2014 consensus statement on labor that observed that pushing the second stage an additional hour was to be considered. This type of back-and-forth changes in practice management guidelines from the college is the issue at hand according to the new commentary by Nelson, McIntyre, and Levino, again soon to be in print in the American Journal of OBGYN. All right, let's review this one more time because this is really the crux of the issue put out by Nelson, McIntyre, and Levino in their up-and-coming publication. Remember, this was in October 2018, which focused on delayed or immediate pushing. Two months later, in December of 2018, ACOG withdrew the October Practice Advisory and electronically published Committee Opinion Number 766, which was the Approaches to Limit Interventions During Labor and Birth. However, lack of details again were provided. For example, the second stage of labor was now recognized or characterized as having two distinct phases, a passive descent phase and active pushing. Explicit language about the length of the second stage of labor, however, was not provided. Instead, the document focused on immediate versus delayed pushing for nulliparous women, stating that studies suggest an increased risk of adverse maternal and neonatal outcomes with increased second stage duration, but they generally do not account for the duration of this passive and active phase. However, there was no further mention of the overall length of the second stage that's allowable or the possible consequences for infant safety. Well, what has happened since the 2016 original Levino rebuttal called how long is too long for the second stage? Is there new data that supports the McIntyre-Nelson-Levino stance? Let's take a look. There have been at least seven reports published on second stage labor since 2016. Nelson et al. cover the methodological issues with these publications which may bias results towards second stage prolongation. It's a reminder to us all to read everything with a critical eye. For example, let's review Grants et al. from the 2018 February Obstetrics and Gynecology Journal. This was a retrospective cohort study of singleton cephalic births at 36 weeks or greater without prior cesarean delivery. This included 43,000 nulliparous and over 59,000 multiparous women. The purpose was to assess morbidity, associated with continuing the second stage of labor versus the probability of spontaneous vaginal birth. They found that rates of spontaneous vaginal birth without serious morbidity steadily decreased with increasing duration of the second stage. So, what's the interpretation? Well, the converse being that serious morbidity increased with longer second stages. Another example is a very recent February 2019 publication by Sipori et al. in the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology. This was a retrospective, single-center study comparing maternal and infant outcomes over two periods wherein prolonged second stage in pairs women was extended one hour. Now high-risk pregnancies were excluded. The primary C-section rate in nulliparous women did decrease from 23% down to 15% from period 1 to 2, with a significant increase in operative vaginal deliveries. Of note, period 2 also had higher rates of 3rd and 4th degree lacerations and postpartum hemorrhage, Findings were not explicitly reported for nulliparous women with epidurals managed beyond three hours, but importantly, the global rate of umbilical artery pH less than 7 increased nearly tenfold between the first and second epochs with the reported practice change of extension of the second stage of labor. All right, we're at the end of our podcast. Remember, we are reviewing a soon to be published in print new commentary by Nelson McIntyre and Levino questioning the practice change of extending the second stage of labor by an additional hour. Now, remember, this is not new data at all. Alexander and Lavino reported second-stage labor results in over 21,000 nulliparous women delivered at Parkland Hospital, and they found that increasing the duration of second stage was associated with an increased rate of adverse infant outcomes, including fetal acidemia, when this second stage exceeded three hours. That publication was in the American Journal of Perinatology, back in October of 2012. So what's the lesson to be learned from this upcoming clinical commentary? Well, as the authors state, quote, Our purpose was to emphasize how consensus may impact obstetric practice despite contradictory science. Now remember, this is the author's conclusion, not mine. We believe that the reports published since the original 2016 clinical opinion, which was the rebuttal to the labor change, supports the original position that the obstetric care consensus supporting a longer duration of the second stage of labor is incorrect due to compromised safety of both the mother and the child. American obstetricians need science and evidence to give them guideposts rather than just committee consensus opinions. And that is the verbatim conclusion from the authors in the upcoming publication. So, in brief, it's cautioned to extend the second stage of labor according to these authors. However, remember that's still going against the tide from the 2014 ACOG consensus. So what are we to do? Use our best clinical judgment, be conservative, and remember to always put the patient and the child's needs and safety first. Thanks for listening to this episode of Clinical Pearls.